0: You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. How are we going, church? My brain is kind of all over the place because even up this morning around four o'clock and uh, and yesterday, I'm, I'm thinking about that. This is the third time I'm speaking this week. Tonight, they gave me the easiest topic. You know, last month, the scholar, was speaking, and he got the easiest topic, and I've got the toughest topic you can imagine they've given, and, uh, and so uh, to speak on tonight, so my head's gone everywhere, I've been reading all kind of books and everything, and, uh, one of, and here's, here's give you a little snippet, but I'm not going to tell you too much, you want to know about it, you got to come, we're not recording it, you can't get it on recording stuff here, if you don't come, I don't care, anyway, um, and here it is, this is, what, this is what one skeptic said, since evil and suffering exist, a loving God cannot. That was written by a person who used to be a Christian evangelist. Turned atheist. Hmm. That's my topic tonight. How can there be a loving God when so much evil exists in the world and He's doing nothing about it? If He is real. Such an easy topic. They give me 15 minutes to talk on it. So. All these young adults, you know, they want everything instant, don't they? Instant everything. Like, just open up a can and do that. we got friends, you got friends from Washington State, some fellow Americans here this morning from Seattle, sleepless in Seattle. Yep. Good to have you, but um, I know you guys go for the Huskies or the Cougars, but you can't beat the tide. They know what I'm talking about, don't you? Come on, that'll give us an inspired morning this morning. Hey guys, uh, we are in a great focus on health. Right across our ministries and campus, campuses, uh, we're, we're in a series on health, and that's what we're praying for and believing for, a uh, breakthrough in this. Because, you see, it's so necessary and value, valuable to focus on things that help us grow. I mean, we do that with our kids. I don't know about you, but our daughter, it's not the same girl that grew up in our home. You know, you look at your kids and you go, did you, did you live with us or have, has an alien taken over your body? <laughs> it's that kind of, you know, because she's gone all, all organic. I said to her husband yesterday, because Janet makes these, we do the Christmas, Christmas trees up, it's, everything's up, yeah. except for some lights I got to do outside. Um, and so, um, man, I reckon if in, they can start bringing the stuff out in Myers in September, we can put it up in November, right? <laughs> you know, they keep doing that stuff. And, and I said to her husband yesterday, Janet made her famous oatmeal, chocolate oatmeal cookies. And I said to Ryan, do you think Erica will want some when she gets here? He goes, unless it grows on a tree or in the ground, she won't touch it. I thought, this, this is not the kid that grew up in my home. You know, this kid is the kid that lived off chicken and chips. You know, and I remember when she was a little girl once. Um, I don't know where Janet was. I must have been. Uh, I had had and you were in the hospital. No, this is another story. Was another she was little. I was in, in the lounge watching TV. This, this shows you the original sin. Um, I hear this rattling going on in the kitchen. I go in. There's Erica. She'd gotten up on the cabinet and got the biscuit jar down, the cookies down, and had her hand in there. I said, get out of there. You haven't had lunch yet. What are you doing? I just wanted a a cookie. I said, no, put it away. Put it back up on the shelf, go back in the lounge. Five minutes later, the thing's happening again. I can hear it rustle, 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 and the can's clinking. And I go in there and say, did I tell you to put that cookie away? She said, I was getting one for you. (laughs) I said, I don't want one. She said, well, can I have it? Original sin. This is the kid now that wouldn't even touch. Well, not a kid anymore. So, but we've got to focus on things that help us to grow. Because we live in such a fast-paced world where things happen at an exponential rate. We do away with the basics. Eh, you know, we don't need the basics anymore. These new generations, they want everything that's so new. And, and, and they do away with the building blocks of Christianity. And they say, hey, come on. We don't want that mundane, boring stuff. Come on, give us the new stuff, the smoke, the lights, the, f- the movies and everything to wow us with your sermon. It's like, I can't believe it. Some of the younger guys talking about some of the props they want to use on stage. I'm going, I'm a prop. What are they going on about? <laughs> when you get to my age, you become the prop. <laughs> Just the fact you can get up here and remember everything, you know, it's, it's good. But listen, here's the deal. We, we, we are in a church stream that wants to be relevant, not be outdated, but we don't want to sacrifice the essentials on the altar of relevancy. Because all these things won't help you to become mature and strong. I mean, they'll get your attention for a short time. But they're not going to plant your roots deep in the soil to make you stand when hell breaks loose around you. Janet and I really want to encourage you during this month. Man, lock into this stuff, even beyond this month. It's not like, oh yeah, we did that, What's next? When it comes to these things, there is no next. There is nothing bigger, better, greater than the essentials that kind of, when I, when I used to do wrestling in high school, you know, I'd get out on the mat and it's just like 2,000 people watching you wrestle. And, and literally I could zone out. I, I couldn't hear or see one of them. And all I could see is the, the referee and I could hear my coach over there. I couldn't even hear the other teams and this guy. And that's all I could see and hear, you're so zoned out. And all of a sudden, I got this guy, he's as strong, if not stronger, he's the same size, he's as good as me. And I tell you, at that moment, I'm not trying anything fancy. I'm going straight to the basics because I've done them a thousand times over and over and over. And I know if I stick to the basics, I can win. And our faith is like that. And we want to encourage you, don't stop when November is over. These things make you solid and strong. Do you realize even Jesus did this? You know, in Luke 2.52, I don't have this up on the screen for you, but Luke 2.52, Luke records of Jesus, and he grew. One version says, and he increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. So in other words, Jesus had to grow up. I don't mess with your theology a little bit. He was a man. He had to grow up. And as he was growing, he didn't go, you know, I'm bringing the new in, so I don't need the old stuff anymore. Which is amazing because when you get to Luke chapter 4, verse 16, I'll put this one up on the screen. Luke records of Jesus that he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. Look at that last phrase, as was his custom. You know that word custom means habit. Jesus had healthy habits that caused him to increase. And if anybody on the planet had a reason to to move away from the old or the basics and say, I'm better than that, I don't need that, I'm bigger than that, it would have been Jesus. I don't need to go to church. You know, I'm Jesus. As was his custom every Saturday. He went to the church, to the synagogue, the church of his day. He kept that habit. And listen, keep the habits that help you grow no matter how basic they seem. This scripture we've been preaching on this month, I have preached on this every year for about 38 years. And it just never gets old because while health is not the same as perfection, it is progression. Did you get that? God's not telling you to be perfect, but he is telling you to grow. And you don't have to be perfect to grow. Thank God for that. And the early church, if you think about it, by the time you get to chapter 6 of the book of Acts, they're about to have a split if they don't get things right. Uh, Because some of the widows are getting neglected. This prejudice already formed inside of this new community called the church. And God gives the apostles a strategy to make this thing right. They had problems already, and yet they still worked through them and progressed. Progression doesn't mean the absence of problems progression means the presence of growth and we keep growing and continuing to grow why because healthy things grow interesting no matter how many biscuits my kids ate I never had to command them to grow I had to command them to eat vegetables but I didn't have to command them to grow (laughs) don't know if you had that problem with your kids Um, and this month we're focusing on fundamental things in our faith that help us to grow and two weeks ago I think pastor Darren started on prayer didn't you It it says about in Acts uh, Acts 2.42, the early church had a strong prayer life together. They devoted themselves to prayer. The word devoted means continuing steadfastly, faithfully. They're fervent about this. You know, it's interesting. Last Friday, I'll just tell a little secret. It's interesting that the attendance at the prayer meeting had gone down. And Janet said, golly, I really believe that as things started happening... The, the attendance would increase. People would get excited. And see, that's just evidence to me again that people get the yawn factor with the basics. You know, breakthrough prayer is not a one-off prayer. Breakthrough prayer is when you keep breaking through in prayer. And you just keep praying until you break through. And, and, and I want to encourage you, we've had great prayer meetings these last two weeks, and as a result, we saw five people come to Christ last week. And we're praying together is far more powerful than you just going rolling over in the bed and hitting a snooze button going, oh, I'll pray from here. Isn't it interesting? Uh, you know, in, in, the, in the in the garden, Jesus' last hours before he gets betrayed and crucified, he takes the guys out and he says, listen, I need you to pray with me. And what did he find them doing? Sleeping. Yeah. And you know what? He, he could have come back and said, hey guys, what are you doing? And they go, We were praying for you, Jesus. Jesus didn't ask them to pray for him. He asked them to pray with him. We don't, look, say this nice I can. We don't just need you to pray for us. We need you to pray with us. Because there's synergy. There's power in combined prayer. If two of you on earth agree as touching anything, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. This unity, this agreement in prayer moves heaven to earth. Even Jesus said, I need you to pray with me. Listen, uh, jump in. It's awesome. You ought to be at it. There's all kind of stuff happening, and prayer is breath to the Christian and the church. We stop praying, we stop breathing. If you stop breathing, you stop living. Try to hold your breath for more than two minutes. See how long you last. When's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you prayed together? Because it says they were devoted to praying together. And last week, Pastor Beck over here, I was at central we preached on they were devoted to the fellowship it's interesting i showed in uh and it's going to show up it's not going to show up in the scripture i put up in a minute because pastor darren did it not me and you heard me correct that thing in the in your niv versions and others it just says they were devoted to fellowship becomes this ethereal general thing oh you love fellowship that usually means hanging out having coffee in the original language, it doesn't say they were devoted to fellowship. It says they were devoted to the fellowship. You go, hey, That's not important, that little three-letter word, the. Yeah, it does because it makes it definite. It doesn't make it ethereal or mythical or, or just something out there. It makes it something tangible and real that we experience every day. And that's called the community. That's called the church. They were committed, it could say this, they were committed to their community as a church together. And the word fellowship literally could be translated, and it is in other, other, not versions, but other verses in the Bible, it's translated as partnership. They're devoted to their partnership. They were in this thing together. Their fellowship was their family. It was their covenant community. And I hear so many people go, oh, the church is my family. Next thing you know, you don't see them anymore. We've got so many ghosts for family. They just kind of float in, float out like ghosts. I don't want disembodied spirits. I want live people and be committed to them and love them. Because how, do, how does love cover a multitude of sins if we're not committed to each other? And So we preached on this last week. Don't need to preach it again. The Bible says that they were devoted to their fellowship, which was their community in that city. And I believe it's time for us to live countercultural. We live in a day and age where everything is disposable and temporary and short-lived even our relationships. The highest thing, the first thing that God created was not a church but a relationship. Did you know that? First thing God created was marriage, relationship. And even that's become temporary nowadays. And the deal is this, we as a church as a as a as a community need to understand again that when we come together like this we're in covenant covenant's not to be broken. Covenant is an agreement. Hey, I'm with you, you're with me, and this is life. Right. And we do this. We cover each other. We live with each other. We, we take care of each other. And the highest value of this community is love. And so the fellowship. So let's go back to that scripture, Acts chapter 2, read all the way through, because I want to focus on another aspect of our growth. How come you got 26 minutes and I got 17? Wow. I'm going by that one. Yeah, good. Oh generous acts two forty two. they devoted themselves to the apostle teaching uh, and to the fellowship mine says to the fellowship why is it missing up there anyway and to the fellowship and to and to the breaking of bread to prayer everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common selling their goods their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need every day they continued to meet together just pause that's twice Right there you see the word together. Right here when that word comes up, it doesn't just mean they were in the same location. It's a far more powerful word. It's a shame that it sounds like that all it's saying is, yeah, they're in the same room. You know, they went to the same event. No, no, no. That word in the original means that they were one in heart and mind and purpose and location. That's what it literally means. It says, they broke bread in their homes and they ate and they had the same mindset about this thing. They had the same passion and the same purpose that they were living together. That's what it literally means. And then it goes on and says, they broke bread in homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I sometimes wonder when I read that, God, why aren't you adding to our number daily? And it's almost like a voice echoes back and says, why aren't you devoted? Won't you love this as much as I do? I added to it because those people loved it as much as I do. I'm not sure the church today loves it as much as I do. Hmm. I'm not trying to be condemning. I'm just saying. So here's another basic. These guys devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And you know what that translates to? The word of God. This is a basic that we need. And, and the challenge is this. How often does it come off the shelf? How often does it get opened? How often do we feed on this thing that's called the milk, the meat, the bread? Right. So if, if you can't live without air, neither can you live without sustenance. Right. True? Yeah. I, I became a Christian in a denomination that had a strong heritage in the word. They were actually nicknamed people of the book. And that, that's what they got tagged by. Boom people of the book. That's because we're constantly always in the Bible. They got me my first Bible when I got born again. They got me my first Bible. Um, I was in my later teens when I got saved and they gave me my first Bible. I'd never owned a Bible up to that point. And I was so captivated by this word, man, I wore it out in, in 12 months. Literally wore it out. It's not an easy book to read if you've never read it, especially when it's King James they give to you. That was like I can't even speak this stuff, much less read it. I'm from Alabama. We don't talk like this. I was like, come on. But man, we were people of the book. Our culture taught us to have a habit of getting into this word. Like daily devotions were a must. Because see, daily devotions are different than study. Daily devotions is where you open it and go, God, I want to know you. I want you to know me. All of a sudden, the light of the Word just begins to help us get to know God personally, intimately. It's not just, okay, I've got to skim across three chapters today so I can tick the box and go to work and feel good about myself. No, no, no. You know, sometimes you can sit and read, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will illuminate something, and you can't get off it. Right. The other chapters don't matter at that moment. What matters the Holy Spirit yeah. is revealing the Father's heart to you at that moment. You go, oh, i just got to camp here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I'm a creature of habit. My daughter says I'm OCD. Um, most visionaries are. And, and, but I, I, get into, I do something over and over and over and over. Right? I'll do that again. Over and over. Anyway. Um, because I find, for me, I find strength in habit. I find confidence in habit. I find clarity in habit. So if I just kind of camp on that thing and let God soak it into me, the habit of meditating and devoting and hearing, all of a sudden there's a hunger that rises up. And and see, for us, the Bible was our sole authority for faith and practice. I had this new thing that I'd never known about in my life called the Christian faith. And I needed to know, well, what's God expect? What does he say? What does he want? How do I know him? And, and, And how do I know this other stuff out there isn't true? Because of this. It was our only authority of faith and practice. You know what that meant? We had, we were told, every teaching, every sermon, every prophecy, anything that comes, it'll line up with that. And if it doesn't, you don't have to listen to it. I'm amazed at how. I was that a conference earlier this year? No. Yeah, it's earlier, early this year. And a preacher, I won't say where he was from, but he was up and he was so entertaining and the people were, wow, he's so good. Look at him. And he was an entertainer. You know, I'm going, whoa, man, this guy's got good stuff. But then all of a sudden I went, hang on a minute. Now it wasn't heresy, but he actually used a scripture just to prove him instead of he proving the scriptures. And I I went, hang on a minute, something's not sitting right. Now it wasn't heresy, it wasn't false teaching. But you know what? He wasn't true to the word. He took a scripture out of context, which is a huge no no. Because he wanted, you know, he probably picked, I want to preach on this and I'm going to make the scripture say what I want it to say. He took it out of context. And that disturbed me a little bit because it was a big conference. But let me tell you what disturbed me even more. There were leaders down the front going, Yeah, yeah. And I'm going, You're kidding me. You're serious. You can't even pick that this is not the context that God said. It's that simple. And that's what bothers me, that you can, you can get on a podcast, you can look on YouTube, and you get these fancy sermons with all the props and everything, and you go, wow, yes! And it might not even be true to God's Word. So how are you going to know that if you're not in the book? Right? Because the book isn't there just to make us fat Christians. The book is there to make us strong Christians. I hate to say it, but it's, it's not a McDonald's diet. I love McDonald's. Well, not as much anymore, but love McDonald's. But this is not a McDonald's diet. This is not fast food here. I mean, it usually takes time to work. I don't know if you've ever, you know, you, you go to a place and they got the best steak in the world, Argentina. Oh, my goodness. But you eat this big, fat, juicy steak and you feel great until about 10 o'clock at night. You're laying in bed and the thing's sitting on your stomach. And your stomach's going... And it's trying to chew that thing up and break it down so that it can become protein and strength for your body. But it just takes so long. You have to get up and take something for it. And that's because it's it's meat. It's solid. It brings strength and builds you. But it's not instant. Not the milkshake from McDonald's. Word of faith. You know, the Bible is the word of faith. You talked about that in the prayer meeting this morning. If you want faith, you're not going to get it outside of this. I don't care how many podcasts you listen to. What you'll get in a podcast is you'll get excited, you'll get motivated, you'll get inspired, but faith comes from hearing the word. As a matter of fact, in Romans 10, 8, this is called the word of faith. It's called a lot of things. It's called the word of life, it's called the word of faith, and and Paul says later in Romans 10 that faith comes by hearing the word of God. And if people think their faith is getting strong, but they're never into that and hearing that, they got faith in something else. You got to get into this because this is where the rock is at and everything happens, you know. And and you know, the, the first time that faith was awakened in me was the first time I heard about Jesus from this word. Faith was dead in me. The ability to know God, trust God, it was dead. But you know what made it come alive? Not a great story, but the greatest story that God loved me so much he gave his one and only son his only son came and died on a cross for us, now where else am I going to know that apart from this revelation that reveals that amazing picture where God himself became a man, took on my sins your sins, paid for them at a cross you know I guess growing up in the deep south in America you, you knew a little bit about God and Easter and all that kind of stuff, but not enough to know that God himself stepped out of heaven, came down to earth, took on a body like mine and willingly went to a cross to pay for my sins. Yeah. I would have never known that apart from somebody showing me in the word. Yeah. Faith became alive in me. But even today, you know, there, there are times where Janet gets on to me. She goes, Keith, you just got to switch on faith. And I go, there's no flipping switch in my brain. I wish I could find it. <laughs> and I know what she's saying. You need to hear the word. Because I know this, that uh, when I'm finding it difficult to believe, am I the only one? No. My, my faith gets rocked at times. Um, life is tough. Last week, we, it was it last week the week before, we just went from, you, you, your world sometimes and what we do goes from up here to down here to up here when you're dealing with life and death in the, within a matter of hours. Yeah. And standing over a, a, a body of a young man that used to attend our church same age as our son, friend of our son, who died of heart failure that day, and his wife going, pray over him, pray over him. You know, when you face those things, why, he's leaving three children. What's even worse is when you put a casket about that big in the ground of a 20-month-old child that was playing the night before. And you go, God, where's faith in those times? I can only go back to here and find it and let the Holy Spirit bring it. And when my faith gets rocked at times, listen, the word gives me the ability not just to believe in God, but to trust God. When the Bible actually says, believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, you know what it's saying? It's not saying, understand it, know it. You know what it's saying? Trust it with all your heart, with all your soul. Trust it. It's the word of faith. See, I, I, I not only hear about God in the Word, I actually hear God through the Word. And that's important to me. Particularly if you're in a night season of the soul. I didn't say, I didn't say if, well, I did say if, should say when you're in a night season. And yet, both, both David and Job said, but he gives me songs in the night. You, you stay close, you listen to his Word, and he'll give you a song to sing in the night. And you know him, you hear him through the word. The Bible is also a source of grace, not just a word of faith. What do you mean by that? The deal is this. It doesn't just build my faith, it actually releases grace by cleansing me. Did you know that? Do you know Jesus actually uses this to make you clean? So I thought it was his blood that cleanses me. It's his blood that paid for your sins. But it's when he speaks his word over you that grace washes you clean. And so even 526, he's talking about his bride, the church. He makes her holy and cleanses her, which is you and me, with a washing of the water through the word. Yeah. As I hear this word, it's like, oh, feeling clean. I, some of you remember this. I better turn this thing off. It's going to cancel. Um, anybody remember Barry McGuire, the old rocker? Some of us in here old enough remember? No? Nobody used to listen to Barry McGuire? A few? Yeah, okay. Most of you won't admit it because you think you'll, you'll get judged for it. Barry McGuire became a Christian. He was getting interviewed on public radio and the announcer kept trying to get him to revert back to his old life with drugs and rock and roll and everything. Barry kept going to his new life in faith. And after a few minutes of frustration, the, 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 the DJ said, man, Barry, you're brainwashed. And he stopped and he paused and he said, yeah, I guess you're right, I am. But the difference now is I choose who washes my brains. And he, he said he, and then he tried to trap him again and said to him, so how many sermons do you actually hear, Barry? Oh, every week I hear several. And how many do you remember? Do you even remember the sermon you heard last week, Barry? And he stopped and he thought again, no, I don't. And the guy thought he had him and he went, but here's the deal. My mind's a bit like a sieve. It gets dirty. And I don't remember everything that happens. But this I do know, as the water washes through the sieve, it might not hold the water, but it gets very clean. The more I hear it, the cleaner I get. Might not remember it all, but I'm clean. I am clean through the word. You know what Jesus said in John 15:3? You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. It cleanses us with the washing of the water of the word. There's grace, forgiveness, renewal. Let me give you another one. The Bible is also the sword of the spirit. It's not just faith and grace and healing, but it's a weapon. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians 6, where Paul tells us to take our stand, the longest passage in Scripture on spiritual warfare, he only gives us one weapon in the armor, the sword of the Spirit. And when he says, take the sword of the Spirit, he's not saying, you know, Todd, it would be a good thing if you use a Bible once in a while. That would be a good thing. You know, that could help you out, especially when the devil comes against you. You know, it could help you out. No, no, no. This is not a suggestion, it's a command. When he says take, he's not suggesting, he's telling. You're in a battle for life and death. Take this sword because it's more powerful than any weapon you could ever have on this planet. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And interesting there, Paul chose his words carefully and he uses the word not logos, but rhema, which is the uttered spoken word. It's no good sitting on a shelf even though it's, it's, it's inspired, it's, it's without error, it's the Word of God, but it ain't helping me sitting on a shelf until I activate that thing by faith and announcement and declaration and saying like Jesus did to the devil in the wilderness, it is written. Three times the devil tried and he said it's written. Isn't that amazing? The Son of God had to quote the Bible back to him. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? No wonder we don't win the battles. We don't take up the sword. And I want to tell you, when I'm under attack and feeling vulnerable, I know I've been given a weapon that possesses power beyond this world. Like, it can cut down principalities and powers. And I'm told to pick it up and use it and say, it is written. Now, we could go on and list multitude of aspects about the Bible that encourage us to have a passion and a commitment to it, like the first church. Be devoted to this teaching, this doctrine that builds your faith constantly and cleanses you and so forth. But... I probably would like to close with one we did. Sam was there, I think, on Tuesday night in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Context here. Paul knows his life's about to end. Timothy is his finest young recruit and protege. Paul's taken him everywhere. He's trusted three churches to him, you know, to go and fix things. Uh, when Paul writes this to Timothy, Timothy is actually the pastor of the church at Ephesus. There are people coming against his ministry, as they do. Isn't that amazing? We thought it was just today. People, you know, Darren, if you were a better pastor, you would... Isn't it amazing, all these experts that are around? And, uh, and Timothy's getting fearful. <gasps> He's having panic attacks. Paul said, son, just drink a little bit of wine. Settle you down. He did. Take a little bit of wine for your stomachs. It's like, I asked a doctor once, can wine actually settle your stomach? He goes, no, it make you feel good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank God for the winemakers. So, so they're in this place where Paul's going, Timothy, this is the last thing I'm going to be able to tell you. It's like he saves his best for last. If you, if you had somebody that was just, like he said, This is my true son. You had somebody like that, and you knew this is the last time I'm going to talk to you. I read a story last night about a young man. I can't remember if he was from Washington. He was from the West Coast in America. Believed that God had called him to South America to be a missionary. As he was leaving, and I can't remember the airport. Gosh, for the life of me, I can't remember which one it was. He, he, he was rushing through and trying to find a card that he could send to his mother. Because um, he didn't get to say as much to her as he wanted to before he left on this mission trip. And I think it was either Peru, Chile, something like that and he couldn't, he was running through the terminal and he saw a piece of paper on the ground. And he picks it up quickly and he notices one word on the piece of paper, "Why." So he just scrolls all around the "Why." this nice note to his mother, drops it in the letterbox, rushes on the plane. The last message he ever gave to his mother. The plane crashed into the Andes mountain, killing everybody on board. After his mother gets the news, your son is dead, In the post, two days later, she gets a note from him, and what stands out is, why? And she had to read everything around it that he had said about the calling of God, so privileged to serve God. I'm I'm glad I get to give my life to reach people who are unreached. I'm thanking you for sending me, Mom. Why? His last message. Here's Paul's last message for Timothy, verse 14. But as for you, very personal It's as if, I don't care if anybody else in the world ever reads this, son, this is for you. Continue. You know that word continue means remain faithful? It's the same word in John 15 where Jesus says, abide, remain. Timothy, abide in the word. Remain faithful in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. You know what he's saying? You know this custom, this essential that I put in you so long ago and the, the body of elders did? Son, it is so important. You're going to find a lot of things in life with one question. Why? Look at everything that I said around that. Look at everything God did around that. Wow. You'll know. Because what you have received is greater than what you're about to face. Hmm. Wow. And the deal is this, all of us are going to face times and situations that are going to cause us to be fearful, cause us to doubt, cause us to wonder why. I like what the great American commentator, uh, commentator Paul Harvey once said. You guys grew up with Paul Harvey, amazing man, Christian, but he said this, in times like these, it helps to recall that there have always been times like these. You're not the only one who's facing a why. Why? But God, no matter how many times you face it and no matter how many times people on the planet face it, he'll ride around it with his word and he'll talk to you. And you know what I find? Sometimes he doesn't even bother answering the why. (laughs) It's almost like he says, it's not for you to know. But this you do need to know. And he writes to us around it. Son, remember this stick with the apostles teaching verse 15 very quickly and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ interesting thing is this remember who you learned it from we grow better together there are people that speak into our lives our pastors our teachers our parents our mentors our disciples Remember who you learned that from because they have written around the whys that take place in your life and telling you what this word says that will keep you strong and keep you going and keep you alive and keep you in faith because it is a word of faith. And you learned it even when you were young. You know who taught Timothy? If you look back in the scriptures a little bit further back, his mother and his grandmother. You go, where was his dad? His dad was a pagan. His dad worshiped idols. His dad had nothing to do with the God that we know. So what happens? The mother and the grandmother rise up and say, we'll do it. We'll take the word and we will show you how to trust God. And Paul says, remember, come back to this, because it it didn't just make you wise, it made you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Can we bow our heads, close our eyes for a minute? There's so much more we could say about the word. So much more. Oh, my goodness. I don't know how you can do a 30, 40-minute sermon on this. But I tell you what, you can say enough to get people hungry. Hungry for the word. Interesting, at the end of this chapter, Paul says, So that there's a reason why you stay strong in the scriptures so that the man or woman of God will be complete. You know what that says to me? Without this word being strong in our lives, we are not complete. We need each other. We need to feed each other. We need to feed others around us. We need to talk the word. We need to speak the word. We need to know the word. We need to believe the word. We need to stand on the word. We need to be, but more than that, it starts with hunger for the word. Jeremiah said, your your, your book was like, Honeycomb and I hate it. Sweet to the taste. It all begins with knowing the scriptures that give us faith for salvation in Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.